story is told about a man who is losing his sight. He went to renew his license and flunked the driver's exam because his eyesight didn't pass, so he went to the optometrist. Wife been saying, you've been driving a little erratic, need to get you the optometrist, and they've uh, prescribed him a pair of glasses and rushing out of the house to uh, make an errand, he accidentally grabbed his wife's glasses instead of his, and his wife called him up, not knowing what was happening, and asked, honey, how are you seeing when you're driving? He said, I'm seeing quite fine, but I'm going down the road and everyone's going the wrong way at me, okay? Have you ever made a wrong turn or went the wrong way? Can you relate to that? First time I drove in high school, even though you've been that way hundreds of times, you're driving the car, you don't know where you're going. No offense, at least that's me. You ever had to make a U-turn? On a more serious note, what would life be like if there was no forgiveness? What would life be like without forgiveness? What would life be like without forgiveness? One. Terrible. Well, anyone else? What would life be like without forgiveness? Pardon? Lonely. That came up both services. Chaotic. Sad. Terrible. Life be like without forgiveness. How relationships be? How would your workplace be? How would your family be? More importantly, how would the church be if there was no forgiveness? Memories of a lifelong Buckeye fan. It was when I was in high school during Christmas break that Ohio State played Clemson in 1978. An evening bowl game. And does anyone remember who the quarterback was? Art who? Very good. He threw a pick lay in the game, and I believe the Alabama um, defensive back, whoever it was, intercepted the ball, sealing Ohio State's fate. He came running to the sideline, and there was Coach Woody who greeted him, and Coach Woody Hayes moved his arm like this and went to strike him. How could you do such a thing, intercept the ball? Now, with all love to Woody Hayes, someone suspected that he might have had uh, some diabetic problems. Maybe his blood sugar was low cause him act erratic. But following that, Woody Hayes was released as coach. I'm not sure how many of you know it, but Woody Hayes uh, still was able to teach classes, uh, do some um, leadership and some uh, other sorts of uh, roles at Ohio State's athletic department. And a number of years later, he died and a large funeral was held at the Ohio State Stadium. In honor of Woody Hayes, even though he wrongfully on national TV slugged the Clemson player, um, he was still able to do some things at Ohio State, teach and do some leadership activities, and still was a very good influence. Fast forward to 2010, um, who's the coach on the right? Yeah, Jim Trestle got himself into some hot water. Apparently what happened is if, getting some murky ground here, if Ohio State beats Michigan three years in a row, the players are given a pair of gold pants, and Ohio State players won a number of Big Ten championships, which meant they all got very nice fancy rings. And so some of the star players from Ohio State sought out someone who could give them tattoos and for exchange for those gold pants and, and the, the rings, uh, they traded to have some tattoos made. And according to NCAA regulations, that was illegal. And Ohio State broke the policies. And apparently an email was sent to Jim Trestle informing him of that. And when time came to inform the NCAA, if there are any infractions, Jim Trestle sort of what? Overlook that. As Brent Musburger said, the cover-up is worse than a crime. Do you remember what happened to Jim Trestle? Yeah, he was fired, disciplined, and wasn't allowed to do anything. As a matter of fact, uh, someone shared with me that he was able to maybe go coach in high school, do some other things. But for the most part, he was sort of really 
dismissed from Ohio State, not allowed to do anything. Now, I'm getting murky waters here, but there seems to be a lack of forgiveness and grace in today's world. And I think that's just an example that goes to my mind. If you do something, one thing wrong, you are banned from life. Now, of course, Jim Trestle could go and coach in high school and do some other things. But it seems to me to be a little too harsh. This is just my opinion. Now, we all heard of it. What? Cancel what? Cancel culture is that if you said something in the past, you did something in the past, whether you're in high school or college, wherever you did, that you're sort of banned for life. Now, I'm not here to condone sinful behavior, uh, infractions, cheating. What I am concerned about is a culture that says, well, just because you put something on Facebook or the Internet or said something 30 years ago, you're sort of banned from society. Where is forgiveness and where is grace? What is our world becoming? I know I'm in murky waters here. Feel free to talk to me later. To me, that's a danger of the culture we live in, in a culture where there can be no what? Grace or forgiveness. Les Miserables known as a great novels, one of the greatest novels ever written. It was turned into a film about 10 years ago. There are some clips from the film, giving you a spoiler alert. Les Miserables, Hugh Jackman stars, and there you see him holding the candles. He is a convict, a felon who spends time in harsh labor, and he's freed and he steals some from a bishop of a church, and he's caught and brought back to the bishop, and the bishop said, I gave it to him, and the bishop gave him other stuff, and that sort of changed his life. And Hugh Jackman lives, the the character's name in in the novel is John Valjean. John Valjean lives the rest of his life doing good for others. And even though his past is shady, the bishop gave him mercy and grace, and that changed his life and how he interacted with others. Wonderful story, wonderful film, haven't seen it. Very godly undertones of a person in a society. How do we deal with justice? How do we deal with law? How do we deal with grace and forgiveness? Les Miserables is French for the miserable ones, the poor ones, all under that, that we're all sinners, and yet there is grace. And I think that's what Peter gets at. In Pentecost, Peter sort of flips the scene from the Tower of Babel where people are scattered. Here God gathered people from different tongues, and Peter addressed people with the law. Can you read that with me? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? So Paul preached the law, and they are cut to the heart, and then Peter's response, very different from cancel culture, Peter's reply, go ahead, read it with me. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Peter's message, that of our message, is that there is forgiveness and grace. In other words, U-turns are allowed. Much like John Valjean, the thief and the felon was given mercy and grace and how that impacted his life. So I'd like to go back some more, 750 B.C., and there's the prophet Amos. And Amos was a shepherd who got called into God's service. And Amos lived in a time where Israel was doing quite well. Things were quite well for Israel. They expanded their boundaries. They added to their kingdom Life was quite well. The stock market was doing well. Bank accounts were doing well. Business was doing well. Everything was well. Life was good on the outside, but not so good on the what? Yeah, the prophet Amos looks at the soul. He looks at people's spiritual condition. He saw that people were being oppressed. 
There is loopholes and special laws. There is rules for thee, but not for who? Does that sound familiar? Loopholes, nepotism, two classes of law, classes of citizens. Such was life like. You heard it in the Amos reading that Mr. March just read to you. There is oppression. There is greed. Do not see greed as wanting more. Luther's definition is better. Greed is neglect of God and neighbor. Let me say it again. Greed is neglect of God and neighbor. There is greed. And there was neglect to God. Yeah, we go to the temple. We make sacrifices. We believe in God. But God has very little to do with our lives. That was life in Israel, 750 B.C. Everything's good on the outside, but on the inside it's not. And God called the prophet Isaiah, and he gets in people's grill and says, not so. Let's go 2,800 years into the future till now. Let's talk about life in America 2021 compared to life in Israel. So I was gleaming through the internet and found this gem, just what I was looking for. So here, let me throw some things out to you. Americans own 3,000 items, 80% not used, and I'm guilty. 10% need off-storage site. Since we were in our home, my lovely wife and I, we've been adding nothing but storage for all our what? Most of it doesn't get what? Yeah. How many items do you think you own? Okay. If it applies, you can raise your hand or check the mark. Americans own, on average, 1.88 cars worth average of $40,000. On the outside, things are pretty good. Americans own 393 million guns. Americans own 2.4 TVs and two computers per home, 80% on the internet, 85 own smartphones. This was taken a couple years ago, so those numbers have only increased. Let's do some more. Americans have 30 outfits each. Now, be honest. You ever go out at night and say, I got nothing to what? I just got nothing to wear. <laughs> and a couple closets full of stuff. Americans own 30 outfits each. In 1930, you only owned what? Nine outfits each. Yeah, life in America. Let's continue. Americans owe 30 pairs of shoes. <clears throat> no comments, anyone. 32% are over $100. I think I own 15. How many pairs of shoes do you own? 32% are worth over $100. Life in America. 92% own microwaves. But this is what gets me. 30% have two what? I'm guilty. The one in our garage is like 25 years old. still works. 30% of Americans have two refrigerators. Americans, 90% have air conditioning. Americans spend more on air conditioning than the entire electric use for the continent of Africa. That has 1.4 billion people. Life in America is pretty good. American children own 40% of the world's toy, 238 toys for the average 10-year-old. Wow. Every kid can put in the door, in their, on their door, toys are us, right? Parents aren't putting it all away. Life in America, I think I have one more. Life is good on the outside, but what? Not so good on the inside. Right? There's still discontent, and Americans are unhappy. There's all sorts of addictions and problems and divorce and yucky stuff that goes on. Much like Israel, there's oppression. Is there oppression in America? People who use their power to abuse others. There's loopholes. There's tax evasion. There's nepotism. There's rules for thee, but not for who. Is that true? Has much changed since Israel? There's greed. Once again, neglect to God and neighbor more and more. I don't care if I close that business and 82 people lose their jobs. It's best for my stocks. And once again, there's neglect to God. 
I was at the best practice conferences a few weeks ago and heard this term. It's called apatheism. What do, what do you mean? Apatheism? Theism is God who interacts with our life. Apathy, I'm just apathetic about God. Yeah, I believe in God, but God has very little to do with my life. I come to church, but God has very little to do with my life. I know there's God who exists, but God has nothing to do with my 24-7 life. I'm on a Sunday morning compartment. Apathyism. Neglected God, not much, not much has changed, has it? C.S. Lewis said this. I think he reflects very well. A great author from the last century. Can you all read it with me? Human history is a long, terrible story of people trying to find something other than God to keep them happy. How true. How true. We compared the two. God is not tolerant to sin. Never has been, is not, nor will be. As much as we like to make God out to be the old, old senile God, he is still holy and, holy and just, and he does not care for sin, never has and never will. He is tolerant, he is holy, and do not mess with God. We see God through the light of Christ. Apart from that, God is a consuming fire. He's not tolerant of sin. And Amos gets in their grill, and Amos, the shepherd who turns prophet, shares things with Israel they don't want to hear. For I know how many are your offenses and how great are your sins. He gets in their grill. And likewise, let's go to America. I think Matthew speaks well of it. He will reply, whatever you did not do for one of these least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. God does punish sin. He is not tolerant of evil. Never has been, never will be. And yet God's word gets in our face and gets in our grill. We're called to confess, to own up to it. Amos says this, can you read it with me? Seek good, not evil, so that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil and do good. Maintain justice in the courts. The Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Israel. Amos gets in their face and tells them to change their ways and that God will be merciful. Now the question you're all saying, what's the remnant of Joseph? Remember Joseph was a great patriarch. He led his starving people to Egypt. Remember that? Joseph, the great patriarch. The little boy who's taken captive in Egypt. The great leader. What's a remnant? Just a part that's left over. Friends in Christ, those who repent and believe are the remnant. There's lots of people on the church rolls. There's lots of people in America who confess to be Christians. But only repentant believers are the remnant. That small group, the remnant of Joseph. Remnant of Joseph. Luther said this. I think these words apply to us. Our Lord and Master in saying, Repent ye wanted the entire life of a Christian to be a life of what? Do you confess your sins every day to God? If you've blown it, do you ask God immediately to forgive you? Is that what we do? That's what I do? God, I blew it. I had a bad day. Please forgive me. God, I lost my head. Please forgive me. God, maybe we looked at someone who is cuter for a longer time. Maybe we haven't been as generous. Maybe we haven't been as patient. Maybe we haven't been what God wants us to be. The life of a Christian is a life of daily repentance. God, forgive me. I blew it every night. What we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we what? 
repentant believer. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm also sorry for my sin. Occasionally someone said, Pastor, I don't have to worry. I believe in Jesus. I know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I think that's wonderful. And I asked them, are you sorry for your sin? What? Are you sorry for your sin? May we always have repentant hearts, Lord. Luther's right. Life of a Christian is a life of daily repentance. God, forgive me. Luther says this, to probe and ponder how bad you have been is not enough. If you do not probe and ponder how good you want to what? A person who is truly sorry for their sin wants to do better. Maybe you deep down inside, I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to hold my tongue. I want to watch where I look. I want to be a better person. That's a sign of repentance. Just not how bad it been. God, make me into this. God, call me into this repentance. Read this with me, please. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Where do we hear that? Where? Right here. We hear that. Mercy and grace is offered right here. We come to church as sinners who are forgiven. Friends, if you find church boring, is it that you don't see yourself as a sinner? If you see yourself as a sinner, then church is life-giving. If we confess our sins, repent, God will forgive and redeem us. Say it. U-turns are allowed. No matter your sin, no matter your past, no matter your muck, no matter the situation you have been or are in, God allows you turns. Repent and confess and he will forgive you. It was true for Adam and Eve who blew in the garden. It was true for Moses who got angry at God. It was true for David who committed adultery. It was true for Peter who ran his mouth and betrayed Jesus. It would have been true for Judas had he just repented. It was true for the thief on the cross and it's true for who? You and me. God allows you turns. There is mercy and grace. Today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? Today your gate is open, and all who enter in shall find a Father's welcome and pardon for their sin. The past shall be forgotten, a present joy be given, a future grace is promised, a glorious crown in heaven. And all God's people say,